may be seated this morning. How's everybody doing? Are you all thawed out? All thawed out? Anybody not? You still a little cold? You know what the worst part about winter is? I, I was born in Canada, so the cold doesn't really bother me. The worst part about winter is when you go outside, you leave your house early in the morning, and you forget to cream your hands. Now, I know not everybody totally understands, but those of you who understand, you understand. And you get to work, and you're like, oh, my hands, they look so, oh, chalk. I could, I could teach a math class with my hands. White? Do they look white? Yes, yeah, they, they look white. They look white? They, they kind of come out a little ashy. Not that you're <laughs> ashy or anything like that. I'm just saying, that's what my hands look like uh, when I don't cream. That's why I have about four or five bottles of cream just stored all over the place. I have one in my office. I have one in my car. I've got like three or four at home. You can't forget the hand cream in wintertime. Amen? Now, I know all, the, all my brothers and sisters. Uh, Sorry, they, oh, that's okay. Sorry. Get my stuff out of the way. Uh, <laughs> they agree with me. Oh, but it's so cold. And thankfully, today is a nice, warm one degree. One degree. You know you're in Canada when you celebrate being above the freezing mark. Yes, yes. We have been in a series, I'm going to jump right in, we're in the book of John this morning, John chapter 11, uh, we've been in a series just, I don't even know if that's the official title, you know, we've been adding different words to the end of it, uh, we had just a crumb, alright, some of you are good, okay. what else, just, just in time, just one thing, and just say the word, and this morning I want, would love to speak to you for a bit of time. Utilizing as a topic, just believe. Just believe. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, welcome to February. Just believe that winter is almost over. Uh, You didn't convince them. You don't sound convinced yourself. Look at your other and say, hey other neighbor, just believe. No, you got to say it with some gusto. Just believe. That winter is almost over. It's almost over. Uh, the groundhog came out yesterday. All right. So you know what that means. Lord, we are praying and believing that winter is almost over. If you have a rechargeable Bible, for those of you who have a rechargeable Bible, that means you, you charge your Bible at night before you go to bed. Uh, if you go into the Bible app, if you go into the events section, uh, and type in Stouffville Pentecostal Church, your notes are there for you. You're welcome. And you can save them. All right, yeah. So we're in John chapter 11, and before we jump in, I want to set the background, uh, because the background to this is very important uh, to this narrative. And there's more in the background than what we see on the surface of the text. You see, we're in John chapter 11, and we find ourselves at the close of Jesus' public ministry. Jesus had been ministering for about three years to this time, and, and here he is, this is the last miracle he does before he moves into private ministry, before he moves into the three days before he goes to Calvary. And a lot has been happening in Jesus' ministry. And time and time again, Jesus is showing himself to be the Messiah, but time and time again, there are many who grow in opposition to what Jesus is doing. Some believed, yet there are many who didn't. Some wanted to follow Jesus and some followed Jesus, but there are many who, who didn't want to follow Jesus. There are many who were opposed to what Jesus was saying. They're opposed to his miracles. They're opposed to his power. They're opposed to Jesus himself. And so this miracle here, it, it puts Jesus at the, at the very end of that public ministry and sets him up to go to Calvary. 
And so it's very important that we note uh, that this is what's happening or what has happened before. And all throughout John's gospel, John is trying to remind you or let you know that Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, the main point of Jesus of John's gospel is to believe. The word believe is used 98 times in John's gospel. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The miracles that John reminds us of that shows us in, in, his, word, in his gospel is that Jesus is the one who fulfills all of the prophecies. He is the one who, what, who was prophesied to come. And we see that here in those who are around Jesus. And so uh, this morning, we're going to move through this story. And I, we're going we're to skip a few parts uh, because if we literally had to go through the entire story, we would be here until springtime. And so we don't want you to get your bums numb if you're sitting there for a long time this morning. Uh, so we're in John. Let's look at John chapter 11, verse 1 to 7. It says this, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. I want to point something very important out here. See, we read uh, that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. There is an understanding that, there is, that Jesus, these are people that Jesus loves, that Jesus cares for. And, and sometimes we feel that when we're loved, nothing bad will ever happen to us. My wife loves me. I know she loves me. I love my wife. Sometimes my wife will tell me to do something. And my hearing, sometimes it doesn't work the way uh, that most other people's hearing works. All right? So my wife, will, my wife, who knows that I love her, will say, do something. And I may forget, may forget. And I might not actually get it done. And my wife, who loves me, who knows that I love her, is a bit disappointed in me. Now, does that mean I love my wife any less? No, it just means that my selective hearing, I mean, my hearing is not <laughs> working in that moment. We need to remember that as followers of Jesus, things that we don't like will happen to us. Jesus loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they're expecting maybe Jesus is going to come right away. Maybe Jesus is just going to say a word and Lazarus will be healed. But that doesn't happen here. The messenger says, the one whom you love, if you read a different translation, the one whom you love is not the one who loves you. The one whom you love. Can I tell you something that you are also one whom God loves? We need to believe in Jesus' love. My first point this morning is just believe in Jesus' love. Just believe in Jesus' love. Because when we are in peril, when we are sick, when we are hurting, 
when we are in a hard time that can cause us some pain, when we are lost, all we need to do is send a word. Send a word of prayer. And Jesus says, love will hear you. See, Jesus' dedication is not only to those whom he loves, but he is also dedicated to the mission that he came to serve. He says, all this is for God's glory. Just keep that in the back of your mind. It's for God's glory. His response was not a response of disinterest, though. His response is that this sickness will not end in death. It also shows a divine purpose. Jesus' love here shows a divine purpose. His love wasn't to go right away. We've got to keep that in the back of our minds as we go through. His love isn't to go right away. There's a divine purpose. You see, I feel like we've heard a message about our timing and God's timing before. You know, our time is not the same as God's time. God is never too early. He is never too late. He is... See, we need to believe in Jesus' love for us. And here's what that love says. Jesus' love, God's love, asks this question. What is best for the one that I love? Yeah, I know sometimes we have prayer requests. I know that we have needs. We urgent, urgent, urgent. But what is best for the one that God loves? What is best for the one that I love? Now you may ask, how does Jesus not rushing to Lazarus, how does Lazarus dying, uh, I hate to break some of the story to you guys, we'll read that a little later, but Lazarus ends up dying. How is that love? I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, Because we need to understand this about love, especially when it comes to God. Love, God's love, is always God-centered. If love were man-centered, then who would get the glory? Okay, let me try that again. If love were man-centered, who would get the glory? Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I appreciate that. We would would give ourselves the glory. However, when love is God-centered, God gets all the glory. In fact, Jesus plainly states this is the reason for Lazarus' death so that God can get the glory. If Jesus said it, then doesn't it have to happen just as Jesus had said? Jesus' words have power. His words have power. He says this sickness will not end in death. But yet he waits a couple more days and the one whom he loves dies. See, his action displays his love, and his word displays his power, and his word is full of power. Oh, interesting, interesting. Jesus' words, it is his word that sometimes we forget. Jesus says the sickness will not end in death, and that should have been it right there. You know, what was that machine? Remember that machine, like, you know, you set it and forget it? Well, Jesus said it. So we should forget it because he said it. The sickness will not end in death. There's no more to go. Let's keep reading. Uh, Verse 11 to 15. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. 
The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. Oh, the disciples. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Watch this. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really, say this with me, believe. Come, let's go see him. Keep that slide up for me. You know, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. I believe that I believe that Jesus knows that there is a level of belief that the disciples had. But as he's coming to the close of his public ministry, and he's about to go into this private ministry that will lead him to Calvary, he's going to take them to another level in their belief. He's going to take them to another level. We see, we, Jesus says many things in this passage which points to who he is. His word is so powerful, not just his voice, but what he speaks. He speaks with a specificity. If I were in this story myself, I, I have this, this thing where when I read the Bible, I like to put myself into the story. I like to get right deep down in there. I like to be one of the disciples. And so if I were there, and Jesus said, ah, this sickness, ain't, this sickness isn't going to end in death. Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'd be like, um, pardon? You're saying this sickness will not end in death. But what if the message, what, what, what if it's terminal? This sickness will not end in death. I'd be like, Jesus, are you sure? I would question Jesus because that I'm a human and sometimes I have a tendency to question Jesus. Jesus' word. You see, we need to just believe in not just his love. We also need to just believe in his word. See, every word you hear this morning that I speak has been well thought out. It has been rehearsed. I'm saying that I have rehearsed. I've stood here in the dark, sort of with this microphone on, rehearsing what I say, how I say it. I'm giving you guys a little secret into how I prepare my messages. Everything I am saying, I am saying with a purpose. When I speak in different places or when I go to another church, I, I always ask, hey, are there certain things I shouldn't say? Because I have a tendency to say things I shouldn't say. Ask my wife. Uh, you know, so I like to ask, are there certain things I shouldn't say? There's a specificity. I'm trying to make sure that I'm saying things very specifically. You know, when I'm speaking to youth, I utilize different words. I might speak with a little bit of a Toronto accent. Uh, just, you know, it's a thing. If Yeah, I don't even want to get into that. And so when Jesus is speaking here, he is speaking specifically to this situation. All the while, he's speaking to who he is. John's gospel is revealing Jesus to be the true Messiah. And there are seven statements in John's gospel that reveals him to be this. And he's revealing these statements about himself to reveal who he is because his words are powerful his words are confirming, and his word reveals. There are seven statements. Here they are. They say, Jesus says this about himself in John 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. In 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. In 10, verse 9, I am the door. In 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. As we'll read a little later in this passage, in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. In 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in 15, verse 1, I am the true 
vine. And I point these out because his word is still alive today. He still is the bread of life. He still is the light of the world. He still is the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. He still is the true vine. And if you believe that this morning, would you give God some praise in the house? Y'all making me feel like I'm not preaching well yet this morning. Remember what I said last time, guys. Just remember what I said last time. Jesus says very specific things. And he says very specific things about Lazarus. In verse 4, he says Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. In verse 23, he says your brother will rise again. And in verse 43, he says Lazarus, come out. When the word of the Lord has been pronounced over you and over your life, you need to know that there is nothing that can come against you. There is no word that man can say that can cancel out what God has said. There's no scheme of hell that can wipe away what God has said about you. Would you believe in his word this morning? His word is still alive and active today. His word in this story, his narrative has authority, and his word today has authority. His word is more powerful than a two-edged sword. Can I ask you a question? Do you know what word has been spoken over you? What word comes out of this book that stands out to you? What word is God revealing to you as you spend time day in and day out reading the Bible? What word pops out at you? What word do you take hold of? That's why we need to be spending time in the Word, so that a Word can pop out of us, pop out to us, and we can grab hold of it. You see, we have a sickness. It's sin. This world has a sickness. It's sin. But, but how many of us know that the sickness of sin will not end in death when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior? We have a God who sent His Son to Calvary because He is the resurrection and the life, and we can live knowing that our God sent the Word to live among us, and the Word died for us so that when we declare the words, I am a sinner, but I am saved, we can be with the Word when the Word returns. Jesus' words help reveal who He is, who He was to the people of Israel and to those around Him. The Word of God reveals who God, who Jesus is to us, and as we draw closer to Him, we need to just believe in His Word because His Word says if we draw closer to Him, He will draw closer to us. Did you know that if we had nothing, if we did not have this building, if we didn't have myself preaching the word or Pastor Jeff or Pastor Lori or Pastor Jordan, if we didn't have churches, but all you had was the book, the Holy Bible, that would be enough. Because it is his word. Word is so, the word is so important. There's so much power in his word. Imagine what would happen if our communities would just believe in his word. Imagine what would happen to our world if his world were once again held sacred. I wanted to focus on his word, a portion of this, on his word this morning, because imagine if we focus on the word of God in our lives. I was looking up the word believe in the dictionary. found this really interesting definition. The word believe means to have confidence in the truth of something. I find that spec spectacular because if we believe in his word, then we have confidence in the truth of his word. 
We have confidence in words that say, He who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How about this word? Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. How about a word that says, If God be for me, who can be against me? You know, if you put your confidence in the word, I guarantee you that the word will continue to reveal himself. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It is his words that are so powerful. There is no man on earth that can speak a word over you when the word of God has gone before you. I have been in church for many years. Probably said this before. I've been to many an all-night prayer meeting in my life. I have had many anointing oil poured over my head. I've had many words spoken over me. There is nothing more powerful than when someone confirms a word that stood out to you and someone else confirms that. There is nothing more powerful than reading a passage of Scripture and then coming to church and hearing the same passage of Scripture and it pops out at you. It is His word that has so much power Jesus' words, they speak to his love. But it also speaks to his power. Let's carry on. John, uh, verse 39 to 44. Roll the stone aside. So Jesus gets to town. He gets to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' grave, tomb. He had already told them that, listen, this sickness will not end in death. He had already taken his time to get there. And so he gets there, and he has an interaction with Mary and Martha. And he takes them to the tomb. They take him to the tomb where Lazarus had been put in. Part of the reason why I've skipped so many of the verses is actually because I want to give you some homework this week. Sorry, I know. Homework from church? Uh, I, I want you to spend time reading this entire story again. I want you to spend time looking at what Jesus says. I want you to spend time at looking at his interaction with those whom he loves. Because I believe that the word will reveal something else to you. Let's read. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. I personally have never smelled uh, someone who's been dead for four days. But I'm going to take her word at it. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to the heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you have sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. This is very crucial that we understand that Lazarus has been dead for four days. You know, there was a belief that the spirit of a person would hover over the body for for three days. 
But at the fourth day, the body started to decompose and rot. And at this point, the spirit would go away. Now, I say that, not a lot of scholars actually believe that to be true in Jesus' day. They believe that this belief came in after Jesus. That the, the leader that, you know, people who are into that sort of mysticism, believe that that is what happened. And so I find it super interesting that John includes that here because John is sort of talking to people in the future to make sure that there is no doubt about what Jesus does here in this miracle. Lazarus is dead. He has been dead. He has been wrapped up. He has been placed in a tomb. And Jesus finally makes his way there. Probably got stuck on the DVP in traffic. Something about that. Or maybe it's just that his timing was perfect. There can be no doubt that Lazarus is dead. There can be no doubt that he is gone. And Jesus takes everyone to the tomb, and it's been four days, and the body, it starts to decompose. But you see, Jesus' love led him to speak a word, and his word led him to this moment where his power could be on display. And we need to just believe in Jesus' power. What do we sing? There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the word Jesus. There is power in Jesus. The prayer that Jesus prays to God, it reveals the power that Jesus had was fully dependent on his father so that God could get the glory about for what's about to take place. Jesus had no, no doubt he had performed miracles before. He had raised people from the dead. He had healed the sick. But this time was different. Because when Jesus resuscitates Lazarus, he's not only showing that he has power over life, but he has power over death itself. You see, it's so super important that when we see the story, we understand that when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he says that he says it because he is the only one who could give life to all those who believe in him. Those who believed in him, they believed in his power over death and they believed in his power over life and they would never be subject to the power of death because the power of Christ is far greater. See, what Jesus does here is he, when he calls Lazarus out is that he has given physical life a sign that he has the power to give eternal life in the present. And I'm so, it is very specific that Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Because if Jesus had just said, come out, it would have been thriller all over again. You would have seen zombie. We Listen, you would have seen people coming out of tombs that they've been dead for years. And the word and the power that Jesus has, all the dead would have, it would have been a walking dead. Best believe that. It would have been thriller. Because this is thriller. That's what it would have been, people walking around in their, in their grave clothes. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. His power is on display. His power was on display yesterday. His power is still on display today. His power will be on display forevermore. See, the, we have the Holy Spirit who leads us to those who are dead. We have the Holy Spirit who leads us to those who are in need of a resuscitation. 
What do I mean by that? I'm glad you asked. For resuscitation, it means that they need to be revived through the power of Jesus' death on Calvary. And that's why when Jesus left, he said, I'm sending you. He said, it's better that I go so I could send the Holy Spirit. Jesus also said, you're going to do far greater things than I did. Why? Because he's sending us the Holy Spirit. The same power that that, that, that raised Christ from the dead that lives in you and lives in me. Jesus' display of power reminds me that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change, and when we go to God in the right attitude, when we spend time in the presence of Jesus, we experience his power through our communion with the Holy Ghost. There is something to be said about being in the presence of Jesus. There's something to be said about Jesus going to the tomb and making sure that everybody was around to see this. Let me tell you something. Whatever dead thing is in your life, whatever dream that God gave you that has died, Jesus' power will revive it. You just need to spend time in his presence. That's why we sing there is power in Jesus' name because there's power in Jesus' words. There's power in Jesus' love. And when we grab hold of Jesus, we grab hold of that resurrection power. We grab hold of that power that will revive a dream that might have died a long time ago. It will revive that thing that God has called you to, but it died. Because of his power. Oh, imagine what would happen if we just grabbed hold of his power. Imagine what would happen if we grabbed hold of his word. Imagine what would happen if we grabbed hold of his love. Where would we be without his love, his word, and his power?